Well, let's uh, turn to John chapter 10. This is the fourth great portrait of Jesus that is summed up in very few words. Jesus says, I am. He says it seven times in John's Gospel. This is the fourth great I am sentence. I am the bread of life, he said. And he's not thinking about somebody going into a a bakery to get some fancy piece of uh, loaf, you know, a croissant or some sort of pastry. He's talking about bread being the stuff that people eat day in, day out just to stay alive. He's saying, you need me to live. And he says, I am the light of the world. And he's not uh, thinking, you know, he's speaking at a time whenever there was no electric light. And where darkness was very dark. I know we have so much light pollution um, that it's hard to imagine how black absolute darkness is. And people needed light to, to, to see in the evening. They needed light to, to get about. It was dark and it was dangerous. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. How vital and essential. I am the gate. We looked at last time. That protection. That way in to provision and safety. And then this morning we come to this fourth great statement. I am the good shepherd. And, and each of these I am uh, statements, each of these pictures, is based on us knowing a little bit about the background. Now, we're not so bad here when it comes to I am the good shepherd. We have some shepherds in the congregation. We live in a town, most of us, but the fields are just over there and we can see sheep in the field. And we have some idea about what's being said in this sentence. But think for a moment how vulnerable sheep are. In the newspaper this week, in the Irish Independent, there was an account of an attack on Monday. The, the, the account was there of an attack on a flock of sheep in Tipperary. Left 20 sheep dead. Um, they got a phone call at 3.30 in the afternoon. A neighbour heard dogs barking. By the time they got to the field, the damage was done. And they were met with scenes of devastation. Um, Mary, uh, the, the, the farmer's wife, described uh, two ewes that were trapped in a cattle grid and had been attacked there. Just imagine the uh, terror they went through. Imagine the, 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 the gore and... The carnage. Um, and each of the 20 sheep that died was also in lamb. Uh, so there was immense loss. And not only that, they were saying that because the whole flock was traumatized, that whenever it came time for lambing, they expected there to be even greater loss. I read another account of um, two wolves attacking a flock uh, in Idaho. 176 were killed. Two wolves. This is the vulnerability of the sheep. This is why they need a shepherd. Not just to guard them from attack, but to provide for them. You see sheep milling around. Sheep will eat a a place bare uh, and they'll trample mud into the water. And they need a shepherd to take them to fresh water and fresh pasture. Otherwise they'll start eating poisonous weeds. They need a shepherd. They need a good shepherd. You can imagine 
some shepherds who aren't really interested in the welfare of the sheep and who sheep uh, look bedraggled and filthy and their, their coats are matted and uh, they're scrawny and they're malnourished and they're diseased and their feet are infected and all sorts of things going wrong. They need a good shepherd. And that's what Jesus is saying in this passage. He's drawing a parallel. And he's saying we're like sheep. We're vulnerable. We're harassed. You just need to go along to a support group of some description, whether it's aware for people with depression or AA for people with various forms of addiction, or whether it's go into a counsellor's office and you'll see people harassed and helpless, unhappy. That's the world that we live in. You see people suffering from stress because there are so many burdens in life. And around us are all sorts of shepherds who would say, I'll take care of you. Politicians, religious leaders even, marketing gurus, people who sell themselves as, as self-help people and say, I'll, I'll sort this out. But can they really sort out the problems that we face? We live in a broken world and we need a good shepherd. And into this scene of brokenness, into this scene of vulnerability, into this scene of, of people milling about and there's confusion and there's uncertainty. But how do we actually get right again? How do we get ourselves fixed? How do we live with burdens and pressures? Into that scene steps one who says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Not a good shepherd, but the good shepherd. We thought last time about how there's, there's one. There's one way. There's one gate. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. Not just I am the shepherd, I am the good shepherd. And this word good means beautiful, admirable, trustworthy, noble. He's not just skilled as a shepherd. It's not that he's just good at his job. But there is something about the shepherd himself. There is something about Jesus himself that is worthy and beautiful and upright and admirable and trustworthy. And I want us to think this morning about the incredible shepherd that he is. And really there's two things that jump out at us from this passage. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd twice. And each time he then unpacks that in a particular way. The first time he says, I'm the good shepherd in verse 11. He then says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What an incredible sacrifice. That's what I want us to think about first. An incredible sacrifice. There are many things that Jesus could have said about being a shepherd. He could have said, I'm a good shepherd because... I feed my sheep. I'm a good shepherd because I see that my sheep need water and I know where to find water and I take them there. I'm the good shepherd because I see my sheep when they're weak and struggling and I lift them and I carry them on my shoulders and I take them to safety. 
and I bind up their wounds and I heal them. I am the good shepherd. He could have said all of that. But he steps past those things, all of which he does and all of which the Bible in other places describes God as doing. But he says there's one thing, one thing that the rest of Scripture doesn't make clear that this shepherd does. Oh, it, it, it unpacks all the other aspects of a shepherd's care in other places in the Bible. But there's something astonishing that this shepherd will do for his sheep that is not alluded to in any other shepherd places. What is it? He says it five times in the chapter. He would lay down his life for the sheep. Here's the one thing that characterizes his work as a shepherd. The one thing that he wants his disciples to take note of. That he would lay down his life for the sheep. Come into the scene with me. There's the flock. And there's a man watching over them. And wolves come. He looks at them and thinks, to part with this, I'm away. Because he's not the shepherd that owns the sheep. He's just a hired man who looks after the sheep. So, so he says, I'm out of here. I'm away. I'm not risking my life for these hairy, woolly things. He's gone. But we've maybe grown so used to hearing Jesus say, I am the good shepherd and I lay down my life for the sheep. that we think, oh yeah, that's... That's what a shepherd would do. No, they wouldn't. A shepherd might risk his life for the sheep. A good shepherd certainly would risk his life for the sheep. A good shepherd uh, would weigh up the odds. He would know his own abilities. He would have confidence, perhaps, in his abilities. He would be prepared to risk his life. David a previous king of Israel who'd been a shepherd as a boy talked about taking on the lion and the bear. But he was confident, A, in God to, try to protect him, but also in his abilities um, against the lion and the bear. But he wasn't going to lay down his life for the sheep. He was banking on getting out of this alive, getting the sheep and him out of there alive. But this shepherd does something astonishing. He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Three things I want us to see here to help us see how wonderful this is. First of all, just the same heading again, it's an incredible sacrifice for the sheep. What shepherd? Now, I'm not really an animal lover. Uh, I, I, I might risk... Uh, myself to, to rescue sheep a little bit. You know, I really can't abide seeing them being uh, chased by dogs and things like that. I, I probably would step up to the mark there and try to help. Um, but talking to Robert this week, who cares a lot more for sheep than I do, being a shepherd, um, he said not even he would give his life or risk his life. As you say, they're not worth it. You get more sheep. Get more sheep. It's not worth it. Here's an incredible sacrifice. This shepherd, this shepherd is the one who made us. 
This shepherd, as we thought of with the children, could simply have spoken a new universe into being. But he chose to lay down his life. And we are not worth it. We are dust that can breathe. We are simply dust that can breathe. We don't deserve it. If One writer says, if God had given the world for his Son, we would have understood it. But for God to give his Son for the world, the world in all its defiance, in all its disobedience, in all its rejection, in all its dishonoring, for rebels like us, it's an incredible sacrifice. And we need to grasp the incredible nature of this. Because it shows how messed up we are. It took the Son of God to come into this world and to lay down his life. You see, it would have been easy. God could have just created a new universe and started again. But he just simply couldn't declare us forgiven. Because if he's to forgive us, the wrong that we've done needs to be paid for. Otherwise, he becomes unjust. And he is not unjust. Wrong must be paid for. And so, the only way that we could be forgiven is, was for the Son of God to step in. Now, sometimes people think that if they tidied up their lives, they could make themselves right with God. Not at all. It took the creator of the universe to step in. To lay down his life. This is an incredible sacrifice. It shows us how messed up we are, but it also shows us how loved we are. How loved we are. Would you have done it? I wouldn't. I, I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't give my life to save a sheep. And the gap between me and a sheep is minuscule compared to the gap between the creator of the universe. And the creation between God and me. And yet, he did so. An incredible sacrifice. But notice what he says. It's a voluntary sacrifice. Five times Jesus says that he laid down his life. What do you think he wants the disciples to hear? He knows what's going to happen. He knows that the Jewish religious leaders are plotting against him. He knows that Judas will betray him. He knows that the Romans will nail him to a cross. And he wants his disciples to know that it is no accident. He is no victim swept along by the tide of events. Circumstances are not beyond his control. This is a deliberate, planned choice. A deliberate, planned choice choice. He didn't lose his life. He laid it down. He laid it down. Stories told about a, a soldier in one of the wars and the, the doctor came to him and said, I'm awfully sorry, you, you know, we, we operated on you to save your life, but you lost your arm. The soldier said, no, no, I didn't lose my arm. I gave my arm. Well, Jesus goes even further. He didn't lose his life. He didn't simply give his life you know, as some sort of result of, of, of some sort of action that, that he was caught up in. He 
laid down his life. He came into the world for the express purpose of laying down his life. And what's even more incredible, you know, somebody may lay down their life to rescue somebody else. They may give up their life to rescue somebody else. That would be incredibly noble. But as I've said before here, Jesus didn't have to die. Jesus actually chose to die. The rest of us, if we were to be so noble as to lay down our lives for somebody, would only be choosing when to die. We're going to die anyway. This good shepherd chose death. He's the eternal Son of God. In fact, he had to take on a body. He had to come into this world and take on flesh and blood so that he could die for us. He took his first breath in his mother's arms for the very purpose of taking his last breath on the cross for you and me. The one who breathed this universe into existence by speaking took a first breath in his mother's arms so that he could breathe his last on the cross voluntarily. Is that not astonishing? And we see him underlining that this is voluntary in verse 17. He talks about he has authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. His life wasn't wrenched from his grasp. He gave it. That's not incredible. How do we know that he is a good shepherd? Because he gave his life voluntarily for us. And we need to remember this because this is how we know he's good. There are many times in following Jesus that things will happen to us and we'll, we'll wonder, is he good? We might get sick. We might have an accident. Hard things might happen to us. And we'll wonder, does he care? And what we're doing there is we're making our circumstances the measure of how good Jesus is. And we need to go back and say, no, 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 I know he's good because astonishingly, incredibly, he laid down his life for me. That's how I know he's good. And if he did that for me, he'll not come short on anything else. I cannot question his goodness. And I... We need to grasp how utterly incredible this is. You know, I watched a video this week, um, or last week rather, of, uh, um, here's the scene. There's train tracks. And there's a man who's clearly the worst for the wear, um, trying to get his bike across the train tracks. And the bike gets caught in the tracks, and the man's staggering about. And uh, he eventually gets the bike off the tracks. And there's a train coming down the line. And he's standing, staggering about in the middle of the tracks. And two workmen come out you know, from a, through, a, through a hedgeway. And they see this. And one of them starts to run towards the man. And he's looking over his shoulder at the train. And then as he looks over his shoulder at the train, he comes level with the man. He looks, takes one last look, and he launches himself across the tracks, tackles the man out of the road of the train. And the train just misses him. 
we look at that and we think that's astonishing. That's incredible. He risked his life for that man. But that doesn't even come anywhere close to what Jesus did. Imagine there was a worm on the, the iron track. And this man is running as hard as he can to get there to, to rescue this worm. And he knows that he can't both rescue the worm and save himself. So he knows, he knows that it's going to be him or the worm. And, he, and he, he bends down and he lifts the worm. And as the train hits him, he throws the worm aside. And the train hits him. He laid down his life for something like that. We would be dumbfounded. Yes, we are made in the image of God, and that is where our worth comes from. But the gap between a worm and a human being is as nothing compared to the gap between Almighty God and sinful us. And yet God the Son did this for us. And he did it to save us. That's the third thing here. He did it to save us, to rescue us. This is an astonishing scene. An astonishing scene. An incredible shepherd. An incredible sacrifice. The lion comes. He's prowling around. The sheep are panicking. The hired hands run. And the good shepherd takes on the lion. He takes on Satan. He takes on the enemy so that we can be free. And it's not simply that he takes on death. Because we, we, we read here that I lay, lay down my life only to take it up again. And we might think, well, you know, if I knew that I could, would come back to life again uh, three days after you know, laying down my life, I, I, I would do it too. But that ignores the point that Jesus didn't simply die for us. He was punished for us. And he took all of my hell and all of the hells of all of his people. He took that punishment on himself so that you wouldn't have to face any punishment. It wasn't simply laying down his life. It was taking up your sin and taking up its punishment. That makes it even more Astonishing. An incredible shepherd. And then secondly, he says it again. I am the good shepherd. And then he says, um, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. This is an incredible relationship that he's speaking about here. One that breaks the imagery. One that goes beyond the imagery. Yes, a good shepherd would know his flock and his flock would know him. They would know his voice. He would know his sheep. He may even know them individually and their particular characteristics, their particular temperaments. And oh, there's one I just need to be a little careful with, a shepherd might say, because they're, they're a bit screwy in the head, you know, and they'll, 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 they'll run at me and they'll, they'll ram me and they'll, 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 they'll push me over. And I need to be careful of that one. There's one there. And they're always getting last to the food because they're so timid. And I need to get this one to the food. A shepherd would know his sheep personally. And Jesus says, I know my sheep. I know my sheep. He knows you. He knows your features, the hairs on your head. He knows the fears 
in your heart. He knows the anxieties and the burdens you carry. This is what it is to have him as your shepherd. He knows the trials you face. He knows the weaknesses you have. Whenever, whenever, you're, whenever you're tightening up uh, a screw or nuts or bolts, if you tighten them too far, you, you strip the threads on them because you put too much pressure on them. Jesus knows that point in your life where if you put more pressure on, if you were facing more pressure, it would be too much and the threads of your life would be stripped. He says, no, no, no. I know my sheep. I know them. I know what they can take. I know what they need. Uh, He knows your sins. Every single one of them. And that's wonderful. Because that means he can forgive every single one of them. You can't shock him with your sin. How amazing. And so it should be even in the church that we shouldn't be shocked at the mess that sin has made in somebody's life. Because sin is just a mess. And it tries to wreck people's lives. But we have a Savior who says, I know the worst about people. And I am prepared to forgive them. And not only that, he knows the sins you struggle with now. And that's wonderful too, because that means he can provide help now. In a personal relationship. But it's a deep relationship. And this is what is particularly incredible about this. Come with me. Come with me to a scene that perhaps you've seen, perhaps you've been part of. It's a family gathering or it's a gathering of good friends. And these people, you watch them and they know each other well. They know each other inside out. And the jokes and the connections and the concern are, is wonderful. And, and people are, are enjoying each other's company. And people are caring for each other. And somebody's been struggling with, such and so, with some circumstance. And a friend is asking them how they're getting on. And there, there's all sorts of closeness. And maybe it's a family get-together. And you look at this family and think, oh, I wish I was part of it. They really care for each other. Perhaps it's a group of friends and you're looking at them eating a meal somewhere and think, they really get on well. They really enjoy each other's company. They delight in each other. They love each other. Well, that is a tiny fraction of what the relationship between Father, Son and Holy Spirit is like. It's the longest relationship ever. You know, you look at a group of friends who are really close. How long have you known each other? Oh, we grew up together. Ah, that starts to explain it. Take the Trinity. They have known each other for the longest time. There has never been anything to come between any of them. They delight in each other and have done nothing but delight in each other. For all time, and John or Jesus here particularly hones in on the Father and the Son. And as he looks to compare the closeness of the relationship that he has with his people, he says, It's as close as the relationship that I have with my Father. Look at what he says. He says in verse 14. 
and 15. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me. And I know the Father. There's a perfect relationship between Father and Son. One of joy and delight and a closeness that we could only guess at. And Jesus says, that's the closeness between my people and me. That's the relationship you're brought into. You're brought into this relationship where you are loved and delighted in as much as the Father delights in God the Son. So God the Son delights in you and God the Father delights in you. That's astonishing. They know everything about you. This is what it is to have Jesus as your shepherd. Not just to be saved. Not just that he knows things about you. But that he loves you and delights in you with as much closeness as there is between God the Father and God the Son. And it's two-way. It's two-way. It's not just that he knows you, but you know him. You get to know him. You get to know the Son of God. Do you know him? Let, let, let me read you a quote that I came across this week in another book I was reading. It was a group of ministers who were meeting for an accountability group and they were working their way through a set of questions by the famous preacher John Wesley. And the last question was this. Is Christ real to me? And the writer said that they were all good questions. But that last question is very important. And he says, in one time, Ray answered it in a way that changed the entire room. I can't adequately describe what exactly happened as Ray told us about his friend Jesus. As Ray told us about his friend Jesus, he knew him. He knew him. remember hearing a story um, once about uh, and a, some event that was going on and there was an actor, a famous stage actor, uh, was um, saying to the audience, not in a performance, but in some other event, a meal or some sort of gathering, said to him, give me something to recite. Give us the scene from Hamlet. Uh, give us um, Romeo and Juliet. And he would recite the piece from memory. And people were astonished. And then an old man and a minister's caller asked, him, do you know the 23rd Psalm? He said, yes, I do. And he started to recite the 23rd Psalm. And he put all of his skill into reciting it. The master orator and his voice had pathos. It had clarity. It had tone. And when he had finished the people erupted in thunderous applause. And then as an afterthought, the actor said to, to the old man, he said, would you say it? He took a bit of convincing, but the old man stood up and he started to recite, the Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. When he had finished, there was silence. And after a moment, the actor said, I know the psalm, but this man knows the shepherd. And that's what Jesus is saying here. We get to know him. 
we get to know this good shepherd. Let me just ask you as we finish, do you know him? He is the good shepherd who would lay down his life for you. Although we have done our own thing and gone our own way, he says he would know you and die for you. We are like sheep without a shepherd. The wolves are circling. Death is closing in. The troubles of life are harassing us. And we need a shepherd. Where do we find a shepherd? Where do we find one who would do all that we need? Who would even love us enough to die for us? Jesus says, I'll do it. If you don't know him as your shepherd, ask him. Ask him. See the width of his invitation. He says in verse 16, I have other sheep that are not of this flock. I must bring them also. He's determined to bring more into his kingdom. Go to him and say, Will you be my good shepherd? I've gone astray. Can my iniquity be laid on you? Will you be my shepherd? And if you've already done that, let me ask you two questions. Do you know him? Not just know him in a factual way, but do you know him? Is Jesus precious to you? Is he noble and worthy and admirable in your sight? Is there that sense that you know him as a, as a person, as a friend, as somebody whose character you delight in, not simply because he did something for you, but because he is glorious in himself. It'll take all eternity to keep on getting to know him. But let's start now. That's the first question. Let's have a hunger to know him. The second question, if you've already asked him to be your shepherd, do do you live as if you have a good shepherd? Do we listen to his voice? Do we follow his leading? And do we rest in his care? We have an incredible shepherd. Let's rest in his care. Let's trust him with what he's doing. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this incredible sentence. I am the good shepherd and I lay down my life for the sheep. We've read it perhaps many times or we've heard it often and yet it, it's deeper and more amazing than we could ever have thought that the Son of God would lay down His life for us. Oh Lord, what an astonishing thing. Something that we can barely comprehend. And yet we thank You that He was willing to do this. That although we like sheep had gone astray, each of us had turned to our own way, yet you laid on him the iniquity of us all and he was led, 
He, the shepherd, he, the creator, he, the mighty God, was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shears is silent, he didn't open his mouth. Although he could have said that he was innocent, he took on our guilt. And he was punished and took our hell so that we wouldn't have to. And we thank you for him. Father, I pray for any here who do not yet know the shepherd as their shepherd, that they would come to him and that they would put their trust in him. And Father, I pray that they would know you taking them under your shepherdly care. And Father, I pray for those of us who do know the good shepherd as our shepherd, that we would long to know him better, that we would delight in him more, and that we would trust him more. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.